Alrighty guys, we are here with Mackenzie of Double M Beadwork. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you guys doing? Thank We're you for having me on. Thank you for being here. You are our first guest and we are stoked about it. <laughs> Super exciting. We kind of went out on a whim with this, like it's rainy out today. We're just like, you know what we should do? Let's start a podcast. We've been talking about it for months. Time felt right. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah, for sure. Why don't you go ahead and start us off just by basically telling us, like, who you are, where you're located, what your business is, and just go from there. Well, my name is Kinsey. I'm located out of Amarillo, Texas. I am the owner of Double MB Work. Um, I've been in business for, like, five years now, I think. Um, it all started out of my college dorm room, and it's grown from there. Oh my gosh, it's grown so much. That's incredible <laughs> that over five years from where you are. So what did that look like in a dorm room when you just have all these beads everywhere? <laughs> it probably looked about as organized as our podcast setup, if I had to guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely crazy. Um, you know, teeny tiny dorm room, the oldest dorm on campus. And I had a roommate, and we had our little bunk beds, and I had my one desk that I had to split between homework and working on orders, and uh, and then I met Cody and Karen from Aquila Design Co., and he has his entire garage dedicated to what they do, and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I gotta step it up some. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I need a garage. <laughs> it's time to level up. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I have two workbenches now. One is at my fiance's house, one is here in Amarillo, so I kind of I go to see him I have to pack up my entire business every product you know every tool that I use and I have to lug it all down there with me which is a huge pain in the rear but you know it is what it is right right so when you're working do you have um like specific collections that you're going towards are you do you still do custom stuff Mm-hmm. You know, customers see on your on your Instagram or your Facebook something that they like, and they want that exact same thing. Just you know, maybe a few things tweaked to make it custom. You know, their brand on it, or change the colors or something. So you kind of get into a rut. Uh, I, I really enjoy doing my web updates, where I get to choose what goes on the update, how many of that you know piece gets put up, um, and if I want to do something completely new and different and off the wall. That's what I do. Do you find that, like, some of the things that you're building that maybe you're just doing for yourself and you think, oh, nobody will like this, and then it just blows up? Like, have you ever been surprised like that? Um, I've never been super surprised. Usually, so, so I'll ask my fiance, you know, hey, what do you think of this design? If he and Cody from Aquila both think that it's a good design, I usually am able to tell, hey, this is going to be halfway popular at least. Um, but, you know, one thing that I've learned over, you know, five years of doing this is that just because you don't like it doesn't mean that somebody else won't like it. Mm. And no matter how long it sits there, it will sell. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of it is designing with what is in style at the time. Um, I get to go to market sometimes. And so when I'm at market, I pay close attention to what colors are in style. You know, is it... Is it fringe or is it snakeskin or 
So it sounds like it's really a balance between like you and who you are as an artist or creatively and like the things that you like with kind of what's trending or what's going on right now. Absolutely. I think that's so important, like authenticity in your work, because really, I think like above anything else, that's what people are drawn to. Right. So then tell us more about that. What's your background? Like what took you into beating and what inspires you today? Like where do all of these ideas come from? definitely see that like when you look through your social media and all of that um you can tell it's yours <laughs> yeah and it doesn't matter what account that comes up through like you see that and you're right. like oh that's double you're creating that style that's so uniquely you um you've mentioned and we've you know it's kind of the reason we wanted to bring you on to this podcast not only to highlight your business but to start to highlight some of those issues that we're seeing within the western industry of and really any fashion industry of copying artists work um so obviously social media is a double-edged sword it's amazing because you get yourself out there but then at the same time you're kind of putting yourself out there with a target on your back tell us a little bit about what that has been like for you And it's devastating. It 
ago, I recently found that my designs have been screenshotted by a company out of Houston and sent to China to be mass produced. Um, I did actually see a, a pair of the earrings in person last weekend, though. Oh my gosh. And they are horrible. Oh my gosh, the quality is. They feel like they're going to fall apart in your hands. I can't even imagine what that feels like, though, to not only have this happen to you online, but to actually go somewhere where you, I mean, were you a vendor when you were down there or no? Okay. Okay. But I mean, either way, you're going there, you're still representing your business, you're networking. And then to see something like that. Walk us through that. Do you remember the first time that you saw something like this happen to you? Because I, like you said, you put so much time and energy into that work and it's really a representation of you and you're really focused on like the, the quality and developing a product that like serves you know not only yourself but like the person who's wearing it so what's that like when you see it because i put so much time and effort and love into these designs you know you design something new that nobody else has ever done you know whether it just be a pattern or a completely new product and it's your baby you are so proud of that thing that you created and people who are not creative and steal designs from other people are for some reason they just don't understand that they they can't Mm-hmm. Um, but not only is it not fair to me, but it's not fair to my customers either because they are paying for that high-quality, unique design. And then to have somebody go and rip you off, it, you know, it's just not fair to anybody. So I guess as we talk about this, it sounds like if this is something that's happening to you, is this a conversation that is being had within the community of, like, makers or original artists where, like, this is happening to people kind of on a, on a wider scale? 100,000%. Yes. Um, this is probably one of the biggest topics that makers will talk to each other about. Um, it, it is rampant between makers ripping off other makers, and, and usually it'll be a smaller maker that's ripping off a bigger maker just because they feel like this person can't see me. Um, you know, I'll take a little bit of what they're good at and I'll see if I can do it. Um, but what is becoming more prevalent here lately is people from the United States taking screenshots of Maker's work and having it uh, mass-produced overseas. It's a shame. It's an absolute shame that there are people in this industry that are low down enough rip off another person's creativity because that's that's how we put food on the table that's how we feed our families that's how we you know take care of things and you're taking that away from us yeah and I think that's something probably a lot of people don't recognize you know I think it's it's important to say that maybe you know there are people out there who are doing this who are taking these ideas or like you said approaching it with like oh I bet I could do that or I want to try that not realizing these like really heavy implications for, for people like you who are literally trying, you know, to build a life off of this, this business and these ideas. Right. And, you know, for the people that are new to the industry and maybe are not as well educated on what's okay to do, you know, what, you know, what, what the design that everyone does or what's a design that's very 
was listening to a podcast with Prairie Sky Jewelry Company, I believe is who it was with, um, and they were talking about how people just don't realize that, like, there's a person behind this Instagram account, mm-hmm. and there's people and their livelihoods behind a brand, and on one hand, it's a pat on the back to your professionalism and your brand that, from the outsider's perspective, this is just a cinch or a wrangler or whatever, um, but you know that you're on a smaller scale than these, you know, multi-million dollar companies. Um, but it still really has that same effect of, you know, theft is theft and maybe imitation is not the highest form of flattery. Yes, we hear that all the time. You know, when a brand, I say a brand, when a maker posts about being knocked off, it is inevitable that somebody will message them and say, oh, well, you should feel great about this. Uh, You know, imitation (laughs) is the highest form of flattery. Yeah, I think a paycheck is probably a higher form of flattery than imitation. We <laughs> like that money, honey. <laughs> so then, so then, how are these people getting? How are these these companies or people who are knocking off designs and sending them overseas or trying to mass produce your like individual work? How do they get away with that? Yeah. How much, I mean, I would have to guess that's in the thousands of dollars of damage control to send out a letter like that, get a lawyer, take them to court, all of that. And so for somebody that has their nose to the grindstone and is just making art every day, it's probably, it's a hard choice to make on whether or not that's worth your time even pursuing. leads us to the really important question is like where do we go from here how do we as buyers or consumers support you and other people like you Gracias. 
And how can a boutique owner, um, how can they kind of do their research ahead of time going into something like this? Because I have to imagine that they're purchasing from mass producers that are knocking it off. They're kind of like a third party at that point. It's not necessarily, maybe some of them do it, but most of them, maybe they just don't pay attention. Like, what's your outlook on that? Uh, you're hitting me right in the gut. All of those are illegal. They're illegal to sell. They are. Uh, you can get sued for that. Mm-hmm. And so, it, 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 you know, I really wish there was somebody at market who was there to control the products and keep boutique owners safe from buying products that are illegal. Oh, I love that idea. I love that idea. That is like, yeah, that's exactly what needs to happen. Because I think so many people get into it and like, you know, it's like a business owner that all of a sudden it becomes tax time and you're like, shit, I had to know all this stuff like up until now. And there's just not the education there, especially as somebody that's starting your own business. And a lot of these boutique owners, that's how they see themselves too, is like they're a business owner. They're trying to come up with their own unique brand and select things that create a brand story for them specifically that sets them apart. Looking at this, because there are, when we're talking about imitation, the sincerest form of flattery, <laughs> or, um, you know, people loving your work and wanting wanting to have it, but maybe, like, being afraid of investing that, you know, the money up front for, like, the hard work that you do, because that that's the unfortunate reality. Is there, are there ways out there that, like, the makers like you could partner with boutiques, for example, or I think Angela was saying maybe, like, find a way to, to make your design available for wholesale for these boutiques? Or is that just something that's, like, kind of outside of what you're interested in? How long does a pair of earrings or a cuff or a belt buckle take you to produce? Depending on the size of the earrings, it'll take me anywhere from three to twelve hours. Wow! Wow! <laughs> and that's just for, that's just for the beadwork. Um, on I usually I, all of my earrings get buffalo nickel studs unless uh, the customer opts for something different. So I will take days where I will just and solder and, you know, sterling silver. So that will take a while. So I'll take days where I will just build them in bulk. And so 
and how long it takes for me to make a pair, but uh, the three to 12 hours is not counting the studs either, so. Wow. Yeah, and that's amazing. I guess that's the other thing that, you know, maybe people don't recognize that when, you know, they see a, a price tag on a piece and think, wow, that's a lot of money. We don't always equate that with, wow, that must have been a lot of time or energy or really, like, hard-earned specific knowledge that goes into that. Right. That exactly what you just said, the hard-earned specific knowledge. When you pay for a piece, you're not just paying for the time that went into it that, at that time. You're also paying for all of the trial and error that it took to figure out how to make that piece and how to make it Yeah, and this is coming, um, for those of you that are listening and are not familiar with me or Abby's stories, um, Abby is an artist all the way around. She makes clothes, she makes jewelry, she makes visual, like all kinds of stuff, and I am a music artist, and so we're definitely coming at this from an artist's perspective, but I think more people need to see it as an art again instead of something that's disposable and fast fashion and just quick, how can I consume the most amount of things for the least amount of money, and instead buy something really beautiful and meaningful from makers that you can get behind so folks you heard it here first you gotta buy local shop small support (laughs) makers boost them however you can get on your social media like their pages comment on their posts buy their stuff to be fair she's not really local we're in iowa she's in texas but it's all right (laughs) (laughs) that's true much for talking to us you certainly gave us all a lot to think about um and a lot of really important things to remember as we move forward and and shop and where can everybody find you oh my gosh you're so welcome where can everybody find you at So we'll attach all of that in our little description here with the podcast. So be sure to check out Mackenzie's work because really, truly, nothing short of incredible. Thank you so much for talking with us, Mackenzie. Absolutely. I'm so excited that y'all have me on.